From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. that you have joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Our text for today is Micah chapter 2 and verse 10. Arise ye and depart. The hour is approaching when the message will come to us as it comes to all. Arise and go forth from the home in which thou hast dwelt from the city in which thou hast done thy business, from thy family, from thy friends. Arise and take thy last journey. And what know we of the journey? And what know we of the country to which we are bound? A little we have read thereof, and somewhat has been revealed to us by the Spirit. But how little do we know of the realms of the future? We know that there is a black and stormy river called death. God bids us cross it, promising to be with us, And after death, what cometh? What wonder-world will open upon our astonished sight? What scene of glory will be unfolded to our view? No traveler has ever returned to tell. But we know enough of the heavenly land to make us welcome our summons thither with joy and gladness. The journey of death may be dark, but we may go forth on it fearlessly, knowing that God is with us as we walk through the gloomy valley, and therefore we need fear no evil. We shall be departing from all we have known and loved here, but we shall be going to our Father's house, to our Father's home, where Jesus is, to that royal city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This shall be our last removal, to dwell forever with Him we love, in the midst of His people, in the presence of God. Christian, meditate much on heaven. It will help thee to press on, and to forget the toil of the way. This veil of tears is but the pathway to the better country. This world of woe is but the stepping-stone to a world of bliss. Prepare us, Lord, by grace divine, for thy bright courts on high. Then bid our spirits rise and join the chorus of the sky.
these days when the forces of evil are devastating our land, God's people need to pray. More than that, we must engage in united prayer. Just as the apostles and the early church were of one accord gathering for prayer, the cry for our day must be, let us pray. To encourage the Lord's people to this end, Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer a publication entitled, The Case for United Prayer. Presented within its pages are excerpts from the works of Jonathan Edwards, Samuel Prime, and Pastor Richard Cross. The centerpiece of the book is Samuel Prime's first-hand account of the famous New York City prayer meetings of 1857, begun by one man, Jeremiah Lamphere. This simple effort was blessed by God until prayer meetings sprang up all over the nation and ushered in a mighty revival that spread across the sea to Great Britain, 
culminating in the great 1859 revival in Northern Ireland. To obtain your copy of The Case for United Prayer, free of charge, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Case for United Prayer. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues a message called Seven Essential Views of Christ, taking his text from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 29. In the pagan city of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples who the people thought he was. Although many were eager for the Messiah's appearance, most were ignorant as to Christ's true identity. This highlights an indispensable truth— One must be right about Christ as the Son of God, or face eternity banished from God in the torments of hell. The first of the seven essential views of Christ is that He is the Christ, the Anointed One of God, who alone can bring salvation to lost sinners. People had all kinds of ideas about who Christ was, but His question to the disciples underscores the urgency of personal knowledge— Who do you say that I am? Now, here is Dr. Cairns to bring the next portion of this message, Seven Essential Views of Christ. There is absolutely no point of contact between the light of divine truth and the darkness of human depravity unless the Holy Ghost comes in with regenerating power. Now, we must preach the gospel... We must preach the gospel. But instead of spending our time and spinning our wheels on wondering about the packaging, we would be far better as churches on our faces before God, getting the power of the Holy Spirit of God until God would attend the preaching with regenerating grace. That's really what's needed. That's what's needed. How wrong their opinions were. Then, of course, the Lord Jesus moved from public opinion to personal faith. And he asked the question, But whom say ye that I am? Okay, we have had their opinion. Now, what is your opinion? personal faith in this matter. And what a revealing question. What a penetrating investigation. You see, it's very easy to say, Lord, look at what people are saying. Either to go along with what people are saying or hide behind what people are saying. 
But the Lord Jesus takes us apart and says, I have now isolated you from the crowd. You will see as you uh, read through the Gospels, we have noted this in our past studies on occasions, when the Lord deals with people, he very often would take them out of the crowd. Remember when I was dealing with the deaf man at the end of Mark chapter 7, how he took him aside out of the crowd, he isolated him, and he got him one on one, and he dealt with him that way. That's how the Lord Jesus deals with us. Whom do you say that I am? What is your faith concerning me? And again, let me tell you, your reply to that question defines what you are, either saint or sinner. Your reply to that question defines where you are in the sight of God. Your reply to that question defines your life and your destiny. It defines your ultimate worth in this world. What do you say about Jesus Christ? We get so tied up in knots about our opinions of this thing and that thing. People fight and argue and divide one from the other because of this difference in this area or the other area. Men and women, we can afford to disagree on many things without damning our souls. But let me tell you, when it comes to answering Christ's question about himself, this is one area where there's no room for confusion. There's no room for mistake. Because if you're wrong here, you'll be lost eternally. So what do you say about Christ? That's what he's saying. What do you say about me? Do you notice that the Lord Jesus takes it for granted, and he's right, that you will say something about him? He is the one who is impossible to ignore. And even by the attempt to ignore him, you are giving a response to his question. What do you say about me? What do you hold in your heart about me? Oh, I would to God that every man, woman, and child here could answer as Peter did. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, that reply from Peter was in itself a revelation from God because uh, Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So there starts with that question, a revelation, or with that answer to the question, a revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, as we've read through the rest of this chapter, no doubt you'll see the, the things that are happening while they flow from one from the other chronologically. Uh, it's very difficult to see how they tie together. Now, from a preacher's point of view, you don't bring things together in one message that do not tie together in one logical or theological statement. You don't do it. But there is a, a, a linking here. As I studied this passage, it became clear that the Lord Jesus took this question and this answer, and he used it as a launching pad. 
to start giving his disciples this great disclosure about himself, who I really am, why I am here, what my purpose really is. This, then, is a revelation of Christ. That is, that in this passage, you have seven essential aspects of Christ's person and work. Now, we may not get through all seven. If we do, it'll be a miracle. But at least we're going to start. And the first one is most obvious in verse 16. He is, as Peter said, the Christ. He is the Christ. Now, to a Jew, that was an exhilarating discovery. The Christ, the Messiah, he was long promised in the Old Testament, the Deliverer and the Redeemer. Throughout the Old Testament, uh, you'll find that he's described in a variety of ways. He's the seed of the woman. He's the seed of Abraham. He's the prophet like unto Moses. He's the priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's the root out of the stem of Jesse. He's the branch of Jehovah. He is the son of the virgin whose name is Emmanuel. He is the child born, the son given, who shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Father of Eternity, and the Prince of Peace. He is, as Malachi calls him, the angel, uh, the messenger of the covenant. And many other ways, the Old Testament looked forward in descriptive terms to the Messiah. Now, through, throughout those centuries, and especially was it in ferment in the days of Christ, the Jews maintained a vibrant hope of Messiah's coming. That in itself, of course, opened them up to all sorts of claims from false Christs. And we can learn something there, by the way, without me getting off on a, a long rabbit trail. We can learn something there. It's good for the church to be aware and keep before it uh, the blessed hope of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. Every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. And while I don't believe for a minute that the New Testament ever taught the immediacy of the second coming of Christ, it did teach God's people to live in the imminency of the second coming of Christ. Not to put it off as... Some have said, oh, maybe 35,000 years away. I don't find anything in the New Testament to warrant that sort of stupidity or any sort of stupidity. No, he's coming. But you know, you've got to be aware that that very hope, that very expectancy opens you up to all sorts of false claims. And when you stop to think of this, you take all the high Lindsays in the world, and I am not selecting Mr. Lindsay because he had to demonize him in some way, but just because he's such a very well-known name. But you look at the high Lindsay's of this world. You look at uh, every person who has ever come down the pike telling you about the absolute imminency, the immediacy of Jesus Christ's return, telling you all about when he's coming. You know, every single one of them has been wrong. Every one of them. You know what that says, of course. Every single one of them in this area has been a false prophet. 
When are we ever going to learn? Instead of trying to decipher prophecy by today's newspaper headlines, when are we ever going to learn to let the Word of God speak to us for itself, unfiltered by human opinion? These people were open to all sorts of false Christs in the days of the Lord Jesus. And before it, there were other false, there were false Christs. There have been many since. Early in the second century, there was the Bar Kokhba revolt against the Romans. And one rose up claiming to be Christ according to the figures produced by the Jews themselves. Between five and 600,000 Jews perished in that revolt. When you come down through history, there have been about two dozen or so false Christs, and they have all one thing in common. They have led poor, unsuspecting people to doom, to suffering, and death in a bad cause. But thank God, as Peter says, here is the Christ. Jesus, the Christ. Now, the Christ was a title before it was a name. There were many people called Jesus. What set Jesus of Nazareth apart was he was Jesus the Christ. Just as there were many called John, what set the forerunner of the Lord Jesus apart was he was John the Baptist. The Baptist was the official designation. Jesus the Christ. The Christ was the official designation. The anointed one. You remember in the Old Testament, the prophets were anointed, the priests were anointed, the kings were anointed. And so when the Bible tells us he is the Christ, he is the anointed one, the ideal prophet, the ideal priest, the ideal king, the fulfillment of all the types and prophecies about prophets, priests, and kings throughout the Old Testament. He's the full and the final fulfillment. He's the revealer. That's the great prophet. He's the messenger. You remember how the Lord Jesus started his ministry? And I'm not going to say anything about this text because we studied it a long time back. Remember how he started his ministry? Quoting Isaiah chapter 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. That's why he came. He is the anointed messenger. And what sets him apart from every other prophet is that he was not only the messenger, he was the message. That's why when he came, unlike all the other prophets, and you'll find this in a string of references through John's gospel, he not only came telling what God is and what God says and what God does, but he came with that wonderful phrase constantly on his lips that spoke volumes to every Jew, where he said, I am reaching back into... Old Testament revelation and taking the essential name of God and the great revelation with which he had shown Moses his person 
I am that I am, he said to Moses, reaching back and taking that out of history and applying it to himself. The Lord Jesus identified himself not only as the messenger, but as the message, the great prophet, the revealer of God, the redeemer of his people. He's the priest. And as we'll see as we go through this portion, not only the priest making a sacrifice, but the sacrifice itself that's made. He's the ruler or the king. This is the testimony of the title of the Christ, the one appointed by the Father, anointed by the Father, acknowledged by the Father when he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, attested by the Father for the works that Jesus did. He said he did by the finger of God and by the power of the Father. Thank God, accepted by his people. In many ways, you know, the sum of the whole Christian faith comes down to this. Jesus is the Christ. In many ways, that's the summation of the whole Christian faith. Now, I'm not saying that saving faith is merely being able to mouth that. There are people who will mouth that without any corresponding reality of trust in Christ in their heart. But I am saying that there can be no saving trust in Christ apart from that confession and conviction. Jesus is the Christ. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, founded by Dr. Alan Cairns. Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the Church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408, or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 